Good morning and welcome to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast, episode number 105. And today we're talking all things kids uh, and innovation. But first, I want to special mention that this show is powered by Zbuni. Zbuni app gives businesses free tools to start, run and grow online. They accept payments and build an e-store and create mobile invoices in minutes. While the interview is brought to you by Zbuni, the guest stories are told on their own. And the guest today is Simona Ag... Sorry, Simona, how do I say your surname? Simona Agolini. Agolini. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Uh, I should have checked that, but I did read that you speak nine languages. So you're, you're going to be a lot better at pronunciations than I am, but I'll give it a go again. Today, we're joined by Simona Agolini, the founder and CEO of Kids Mobile App. Uh, they were facing a problem of finding good value deals uh, and relevant things to do with her family. Uh, so she and co-founders created this company. Uh, Kids is a parenting mobile app that is creating a buzz in Saudi Arabia. Parents can get inspiration from listings and book family-related activities. It started off in 2017 and expanded across the region. It now has reached more than 150,000 families uh, and Simona, today we're going to talk about the story of kids, how it all started, uh, how the last year has been, and then other innovative ideas that you guys have come up with. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Lovely to be here. Uh, great. So uh, let's get straight into it. Uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit more about the kids uh, mobile app? Yeah, absolutely. So you did a great intro uh, and well done on pronouncing my name well. Um, as you said, I speak eight languages, so uh, okay. it's many, but it's not the nine. <laughs> um, look, I come from a busy corporate background. Uh, prior to becoming an entrepreneur, I worked in the oil and gas industry for uh, many years. And my co-founders and partners um, are also um, ex-corporate uh, businesswomen. And as we started our own motherhood journeys, um, you know, you are juggling many, many things. You know, your lives, your life has changed completely. And basically what we found is that we couldn't find the things that we were looking for when trying to find good family plans for the weekend or after school activities. And the information is really fragmented. Um, you know, you can Google, you can uh, refer to different publications, but it was never in one consolidated place. So we thought, well, since we, the five of us, were all looking for things, probably other people are too. So basically we came up with an idea. Let's see if we can, if we can create a product that actually would help uh, other parents find those things and that's kind of how kids were born okay amazing and what's this what's the journey been like so from the idea spotting the gap in the market uh how did you approach it did you uh did you design a logo did you create a website did did how has it kind of evolved over the last few years <laughs> um so we i mean i think we we had myself and, and two of my co-founders had always sort of harbored our own wishes to have our own business. Um, so we never had really thought of put some effort into it. And then it, I think in January of 2017, we basically sat down one day and said, what could we do? And is this a product that would make sense? And we, the, the three of us, the original three, um, were fully on board that this, we thought that this would make sense. And so we'd never started a business before. We'd never developed an app before or anything. So it, it definitely was a learning journey, but um, we, we, we basically put together a business case and said, okay, how many parents are out there? What kind of products would they be interested in? Um, who's our target market? 
what brand brand was a long discussion you asked about that how do you come up with a logo actually this is where you find out that people have very different views on things and, and <laughs> so that was a that was a good um very good experience um and you put together a business case and then you find partners who can help you build uh the platform and uh, yeah it's, it's been it's been an incredible journey so going from idea to actually launching is a very very exciting um and stressful time Interesting. I think the interesting thing about starting a business at that time in Dubai is that, you know, mobile penetration and digital penetration are quite high. So, you know, provided you can provide the and the, the gap in the market that you've identified is a real one. I think even non-parents can can agree with that. So uh, it's it's almost that that, uh, you know, if you if you design the right product, product market fit. Uh, then you're in the right space at the right time. Is that how you found it? And and also, how did you bring partners on board as well? Yeah. So um, so I I think I'll start with sort of where you where you went as well. It's about solving a genuine problem. I think as an entrepreneur or as any startup founder, you know you can fall in love with your concept, but if it's not solving a genuine problem, it's probably not going to work. So as you said, parents the world over recognize this. It doesn't matter which country you speak to, which nationality of people, they all recognize this as a genuine wish to find the best things to do with their families. Um, from there as well, I mean, you, you, UAE is a very unique uh, place for many reasons. I mean, there's a large um, expatriate population here. And when we developed this product, we actually thought, we were actually thinking it was more gonna be attractive to the expatriate population. But what we actually found is that we have a huge number of of the local Emirati population who use our app, which is really, really rewarding and, and it was fantastic. So um, UAE was a great market to do this in. I think the, the government is also super supportive to um, startups. There's lots and lots of different um, uh, incubators and accelerators out there. There's there's funding for startups. So it's a very it's a very good market to start, start a business. It's also relatively easy to set up a company here. Um, so there were lots of factors which went into it, but ultimately it boiled down to that we thought there was a product that this would appeal to parents and, and it did. And uh, so touching on some of that, where did you go about uh, the free zone and the license and where did you set up the company? Yeah, um, there, there are many different free zones and there are many different um, sort of uh, benefits of the different free zones. We actually ended up choosing uh, uh, Sharjah, uh, Shams, Sharjah Media City. Um, for a variety of reasons, um, in terms of flexibility, in terms of, of a variety of reasons. But there, there are many different ones to choose from, and there's even more since we originally set up the company. And do you see the company as a platform? Do you see it as a utility, or is it is it a parent, parental community? Or how do you kind of uh, differ, or is that all the same thing? Um, it's a good question. Um, I I mean, we set it up as a digital product because we... we we ourselves are on the go all the time and parents are on the go. And one of the things that most people don't leave the house with anymore uh, without is your mobile phone. So it's definitely set up as a digital product that you can access anytime, anywhere. Um, but we have, we've included features and introduced features as we've gone, as we've gotten more insight from our customers about what other types of features they want. So, you know, it has a lot of content on it. It has incredible deals on it. Um, there's loyalty embedded in it. Um, there's there's community in the form of um, you can share reviews, you can give feedback to other parents. Because again, as a mother, what I typically look for is reviews from other parents, Absolutely. mothers, because I know that they're going to be, you know, they're going to be critical and, and saying how they, they experienced it. So there, there's a whole combination of things included in kids. 
Absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, ask that question because sometimes in the past, media or publications would have classifieds and events and listings and things to do, but then uh, other uh, utility app providers uh, do that. And now media does content and it's kind of fragmented a bit. And then also, and I think it's particularly common in, in well, everywhere, you know, communities online like Facebook groups and things like that. Lots of lots of forms, but maybe not the actual price, location, time information. So, uh, so is that is that really what the bridge that you gapped the kind of listicles and the um, as in the classified the information, but also the community and the the dialogue as well of a social platform. I would say that we uh, were we're more on the former i.e. that you can really find all the relevant information about location, about timings, about um, what, what the product is, etc. You can filter by age, you can filter by interest. So it, we've made the, 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 the app as user-friendly as possible. Um, and you can, you can book tickets online, like right through the app, which, is, which is a very important component of it, because otherwise you've only got the first part of the user experience. You actually want them to be able to waltz into the venue, ultimately. So you can buy it. Um, in terms of um, narrating and managing um, forums and discussions, that's actually not something that we are doing. I think that there are other platforms or other businesses uh, in the market that, that look to do that. Uh, but we obviously have a very engaged community. We get direct customer feedback on a daily basis. We speak to our customers and we do know exactly what it is that they're looking for. And if they need help in any particular area, like one of the things that we we introduced, particularly during the, the lockdown, was also some mental health support because, again, people are looking for things and it's what's relevant to our user base, which is predominantly uh, mothers. Mm. So we, we put in place content that's relevant. Interesting. And you talked about the tickets and the booking. Is that the business model? Or is the app free uh, or how does that work? Yeah, the app is free. Um, it, it, it's free and indeed uh, getting uh, commissions on tickets sold um, it's, some, it's part of our business model. We also work with uh, different uh, uh, companies who want to promote their products that are relevant to our target audience. So there's a component of advertising involved here as well. Amazing. And how did you go about uh, expanding to other markets? Uh, was the app already set up in a way that, that was English Arabic and, and uh, did you have to have presence on the ground or how did you uh, decide to kind of go to another market? Yeah, so part of an uh, entrepreneur's journey. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so so our vision has always been to be a much to not to not just be based in the UAE. Um, so that was part of our original thinking back in January 2017, um, and it made sense that you know we'd look at markets that are in the region which are relevant. Um, we thought it would be easy. It's always more complicated than you think. Yeah. Uh, but but. Given that it has been part of our thinking, we had designed an app that was capable of doing um, uh, of having English and Arabic um, in it. But there's small things you don't think about. So, for example, one of the things we hadn't thought about was different currencies. So we thought about the language component; that was easy. But then, of course, you need to have different currencies, and you need to, you know, factor that in. So there's always additional steps that you hadn't uh, thought about. Um, and you can have you can have a presence in different markets. Uh, easily because it's a digital product, uh, product so that's very easy to do um, but in terms of actually having a business or a viable business or growing a business you actually need to have a presence on the ground so there are other um, steps involved when you set up a set up a 
you know, a new, a new country. Yeah. It's fascinating. I think, um, you know, for people who haven't done this and haven't set up uh, a digital product like you have, you know, thinking of one thing and, is one thing and then implementing it is another. So even if you do think of the currencies, the actual process to do it, uh, depending on the payment gateway, depending on having banks in different markets and license of documentation can take a long time, right? Is, is, that, is that the thing that even if people think about it, you know, is there expectations of the uh, ability to execute on it? Uh, is there a learning curve there as well? Oh, absolutely. And and then they say that, you know, for any uh, for every startup that succeeds, there's like 10 failed startups and it's and the failure is usually in execution um, as opposed to the idea. Um, there are many ideas out there, but how do you implement it? Um, entering new markets has got all of those component parts. You know, you've got the sort of legal business setup uh, component requirements, which is all your licenses and it's your um, payment gateways, as you said, and it's making sure that you you're actually legally allowed to operate there. It's bank accounts, it's you know, it's all that kind of stuff. Then you have your marketing component about it. How are you going to reach your customers? What's the process for doing it? Hiring? How are you going to hire a team? Where are they going to sit? Where are they going to work? How are you going to structure all that? So there's there's multiple layers that you you have to think about when you set up a, a new country. And how did you go about it? Do, do you kind of put down a plan based on in, information available and research, or is it more of an iterative process where you're where you're saying, okay, this is the best way to approach this, and you're a bit more flexible, especially as well during the pandemic? Uh, is, or, or do you really stick to the plan and just uh, adjust as you go? I think one of the benefits of being, again, a startup is that you're very agile. I think that's an incredible uh, benefit. And having come from a large, large corporate, which was a fantastic company to work for, it's definitely one of the benefits I see in being a, a smaller, more agile company. So, um, and, and the best laid plans, even at a corporate level, um, often don't pan out. So we, we have a vision that we are very clear on what our vision is and where we want to uh, go to. We have a a clear roadmap, I'd say, in terms of which which markets, um, uh, what are the, the business uh, lines, the product lines, etc. Um, in terms of a of a really set in stone plan, no, we don't do that because I think if any if COVID has taught us anything, the best laid plans can go completely haywire. <laughs> um, so no, we don't do that. Um, and then just in terms of just sort of maybe how do we learn how to do things? I mean, we were very lucky early on. We were part of the Shira program. Uh, one of the um, Sharjah-based um, entrepreneurship, group. yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and they they give you really amazing foundation. And then we were very very lucky. We were part of the of uh, the Mist um, Growth uh, Forum in August. Um, foundation in Saudi Arabia, program, yeah. Program in Saudi Arabia that was uh, partnered with uh, Seed Stars and Vision Ventures. And both of those are incredible um, enablers to actually setting up your business, wow. growing your business. And knowing the basics of the country in which you are um, expanding into. Yeah, that's a really good insight, actually. There, you know, and to be, you know, congratulations. I mean, selected for that because even even those sort of enablers and those programs, uh, as you said, they're they're great support, but they have a lot of uh, criteria and they've and you know for good reason because they've got a lot of expertise and door openers as well. Um, is is that? Uh, are they the core markets? Uh, we also mentioned Bahrain and, and Egypt. Uh, so are you present in those four markets now? And uh, how do you split your time? 
well, no, I have no idea how I took my time. Every day I write up with a list of things I'm going to do and I never accomplish any of them. But I'm very busy all day. So. I'm sure you do. Um, so, so we, so our, our, you know, obviously we started in the UAE. UAE is a, is a core market for us. Um, we've set our sights now on, um, on Saudi, on doing a lot in Saudi. We actually launched Saudi in the middle of a pandemic. So we can come back to that uh, in a bit. Um, and we have a, we, we have an ops team that's based in uh, Egypt. So and Egypt is a very large market. So it's a very interesting market, but we also have limited resources so we can go one step at a time. And so we're focusing now on um, how do we grow in Saudi and how do we make Saudi success. Interesting. And of course, it's it's not currently possible to travel to Saudi. So a lot of that work must be done online. Is Were you able to continue your business uh, virtually in the last 12 months or did it cause yeah. some difficulties? Well, so if we, if we take so we launched in Saudi in uh, June of 2020. So in the middle of, of the pandemic and still within a good period of lockdown and, and so on. Um, if we talk about the UAE, when uh, when COVID hit, um, I mean we are a company that operates in the leisure and entertainment space, um, mainly in the physical space. I.e., you know, you go to uh, buy tickets to attractions and you go to those attractions. So. When you have a country that enters into a total lockdown where you're not allowed to go out, that has a very significant impact on um, on your business. Um, it also has a very significant impact on your customers. We we basically, before lockdown happened, I mean, quite a bit before, so I think it was about the 20th of February of last year, we sat down as a team and we said, look, it's not looking very good. I mean, it was in China, it's now in Italy. It's not looking great. What What do we need to plan for and what do we need to do? And we, we looked at it from a business perspective, what do we need to do in terms of uh, you know, protecting our business and what do we need to do it from a customer perspective. And from a customer perspective, we launched a new product um, then. So by the end of February, we had a new product called Kids at Home, which was basically in, incorporating all the things that we had tried to do, which was inspire and empower parents in, the, in, in normal life. How do you inspire and empower parents when you're stuck at home and giving, um, you know, you're having to homeschool your kids? Um, and and that, so that was a very good product to help parents and keep them engaged, which is what happened. Interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, because I think with sometimes like that, you know, you might have to pivot, you might have to change the vision or you might have to. But you found that you could uh, be the be that app or that support uh, system for parents as well. Um, did that lend you going down? A, OK, if they can't take the kids to the cinema, they might want to buy a board game. Therefore, we might introduce e-commerce or um what what happened there would you do something like that so we explored uh, different options um we, we we partnered so with our existing partners who were in exactly the same situation so if you think about any partner uh, out, out in the market whether it's oli oli or whoever it is they had to shut down as well they weren't able to, to monetize or do anything during that time so we worked with different partners um to help them think about how they could uh, create online presence for us to give them visibility to make sure that they remain of mind with our customers, etc. Um, so that was on the that side. We also <clears throat> worked with partners to bring on um, online uh, products. So um, you know, online classes, whether they were magic classes or they were music classes, you know, that you could you could get online uh, support and, and purchase classes. Ah. And we did do uh, we did do some product uh, purchases as well, products as well that were relevant. So activity kits for kids, um, magic kits for kids, different things. Uh, that we also had um, as a, as a uh, on the app. 
Interesting. Yeah, I think that that uh, digital classes space is getting really interesting with a lot of people finding good value and good ways to kind of educate, especially, uh, you know, for kids as well. Uh, in terms of product roadmap, is that a core function? Uh, a lot of people now, because technology has advanced so much, um, companies, uh, even startups, tech stack can be quite big. You can plug and play a lot of different softwares. Uh, what is your experience and your, your view on that? Do you, do you, is that core to what kids is? Do you build that yourself or do you work with different partners and different platforms? So I'm not 100% sure I answer the question, but is, are you talking about the online uh, classes and online products? Just in general, in terms of uh, the technology that kids is, is that proprietary oh. technology? Uh, and what is your experience and your roadmap on that been like? Oh, again, learning experience. So we're very lucky. One of the, one of, my very very good friend um, is is also an investor in kids, and he owns his own tech company uh, based in the Netherlands, and he's amazing. And uh, he really helped us uh, in our in our tech roadmap. Uh, he he actually was was has been instrumental uh, for us in our success. He we have built the app ourselves in house with him, and uh, the, the technology is all proprietary. Um, yeah, if I was going to give advice to um, other entrepreneurs, I've got quite a lot of different advice I'd give on that one. I mean, tech tech is, you know, being a digital platform, tech is, you know, the, probably the single most important thing that you need after after having the idea. And so I think it's really important to either work with, speak to people who've done the work before and have done, who've got experience doing it or find the right partner who's really going to support you because if you get that wrong, I think you're, you're in trouble. Interesting. Uh, and for, to do that at the very start, did you think that this was a company that was going to go down a startup and a, a investing road and, and uh, you know, seek funding from a angel seed and, and venture route? Is that something you decided or is that something that you've done with kids? No, that was something that we, I mean, our, yeah, it was part of our original uh, roadmap. We, we knew that this type of a business, you know, it, the, the attractiveness of this business is that it's, it appeals to a large group of people the world over, um, but to grow, you need to invest money, uh, and to invest money, you need to get support. And I, what I, what I've also learned as part of the process is that you know, and and this this always sounds very rich when I when I originally heard someone saying that is if you need if you're fundraising, you 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 just you really need the money. But we've been incredibly lucky by chance, I would say, maybe by a bit by strategy. Um, to found amazing investors, really amazing angel investors, also even corporate uh, institutional investors who genuinely understand what it takes to uh, make a successful startup. And that is probably as valuable as the money, if not more valuable than the money. Interesting. You say lucky. I think many people would love to be lucky in that situation, but I'm sure it's something that you, you told the story of the company well. Or how did, how did you go looking for those partners? um yeah i mean this was for me on a personal learning journey this was a very different one I, as i mentioned i came from a large corporate where you know you'd submit uh, a, a project plan with a budget and nine times out of ten if you had a robust plan it'd get approved i mean now you're going out basically to sell yourself to sell a vision to sell um a company and it was it, it absolutely was a learning journey i think we spoke to the wrong people early on in terms of we were not at the right level um so but 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 we got a lot of feedback and one of the benefits is that you can incorporate feedback so that really helped us um but it was a very exciting day when we pitched the first um angel investor and 
he decided to invest in us and um yeah it was very exciting and then from there once you've got one the second one comes more easily and amazing good good to hear we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with simona in in a moment a reminder that this episode is powered by Zvuni. Zvuni has partnered with many great companies, including Sugarmoo. They are one of the leading dessert shops in the region. It's got your red velvet cake, vegan desserts, and every type of treat for a special occasion. Due to the nature of customizing cakes, Zvuni plays a key role to help Sugarmoo transact with their customers on WhatsApp, Instagram, and any other social platform with a specific invoice-based on the specific customer order. And we're back. Uh, okay, Simona, we were talking about many things. and I feel like uh, it's hard to tell people a full kind of four or five year uh, journey from a startup and all the different things you need to learn. And most of it's hard, right? Most of it's hard. How do you kind of press, persevere with it? Where do you get the motivation uh, and the discipline to stick with a project like this? Mm, very good question. Um, so as I mentioned earlier on, we, uh, my co-founders and I had always harbored um, sort of this personal desire to start your own business. And I don't know where that comes from, but it's just, I guess, at some point, you just want to try and do something different. And I think for us, what was really lucky is it all came together um, at that moment in time. It was the right moment in our lives to do it. Um, financially, we could, we could take that risk because, you know, there's a big personal risk associated with leaving a corporate um, salary paying job to start off something that you've got no idea how it's going to work out um and i think what what keeps us going it's certainly my my co-founders and the team are really really uh, important elements to it the fact that every day um I, you know i see people who are motivated i enjoy being around whether and it's the team as well it's not just the co-founders it's the team as well you know we've, we've built a really really fun passionate uh, great group of, of people who work for kids and who are real brand ambassadors um, so that's one of them. Um, I think it's it's the feedback we get from parents, um, the fact that people really, really value the product. We get so much lovely feedback um, and that's uh, really motivating as well. Um, certainly having investors um, is <laughs> motivational. I don't know whether it's motivational <laughs> always on the positive. It's like, it's that responsibility that uh, we have. You know, we people have invested in us and in a concept. They want to get a return on investment. So, you know, I, I have a personal drive to you know make this a success um and i think it's just seeing what you can do uh you know if you told me five years ago that or four years ago whenever it was that we would be live in saudi in english and arabic and that we would have you know we'd be growing our customer base so rapidly and we'd have so many people engaged probably i would say that sounds nice yeah but the reality is amazing yeah that's it's interesting and, and it's amazing that you've uh, achieved that in, in in short space of time relatively in different markets uh, do you do you view this region as an emerging market? There's obviously less, uh, you know, we're at an earlier stage in terms of tech and startups than the US and Europe. Uh, therefore, there are less success stories and there's less, oh, well, they did it, therefore, let's just keep going and it'll happen for us sort of thing. So, um, you know, is that a, is that a kind of um, a vision that you, you really believe in this region, that you really think that, that this will happen and this is emerging market and you're and you you're going to kind of stick that journey you and your partners i really believe in this region so i'll start with that one i really believe in it. i mean there's, there's some unique market dynamics that are that are here right you have a relatively young population you have um you have people who where the concept of family is super important 
True. Um, you know, in the UAE, you've got a very developed um, leisure and entertainment um, uh, market. In Saudi, it's really emerging, and they're really, really investing a lot of resources and money into it. It's a product, or it's a, it's um, something that uh, Saudi young Saudis are very excited about. So I see that the opportunity here is really different to more mature markets, and I, I think the timing for us is really pivotal and really, really important. I think that maybe in the US we would have had more access to funding or it would have been, you know, there's a stronger ecosystem. Let, let me let me phrase it that way. There's a stronger ecosystem and you could find more people who would readily be able to mentor you, support you. Not that you can't find them, but it would be, you know, it's more established. But I think the opportunities are, are, are less in, in a way because, you know, it's so much more of a developed market. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and but there, yeah, it's, a, it's developing a lot, I think. One of the statistics, you know, from 10 years ago to now in terms of mobile penetration, internet penetration, 5G, the, the kind of things that are in place makes it uh, more possible for these success stories to happen. Um, to, touching on something else then in terms of uh, brand positioning and product positioning, we kind of alluded to earlier the, the logo and the branding. And of course, many people have different opinions and it's very subjective. But how do you go about creating a brand for mothers or for parents like how do you how do you say that how do you kind of get that message out when people see kids maybe they'll know okay it's obviously kids but uh, what else do you need uh, what else do you need to do to to reach that audience um i think i think you know the brand in itself um is important and 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 it's you know it's the way that companies get recognized in the longer term and it's what sticks in people's minds. But what the product is, especially when you're starting, people don't even know that. So the, so the logo itself, um, you know, doesn't play that big a role in terms of whether a customer is going to use you or not. I think it's about having a clear value proposition for their parents. It's explaining what the problem is and how you solve it is what is fundamental. And then, and then it's once people are aware of it, once they actually decide to try it, making sure that that experience is seamless. Because you don't have many chances to get things wrong. Like you get something wrong once, you know, mm. you lose your, your your customer. So it's really about making sure that the customer experience is good. Um, we found that word of mouth is incredibly powerful. You know, if you see something uh, on your Instagram feed or wherever you, wherever it is you spend your time on social media, you might it might register. You might click on it. But if your friend says to you, "Hey, there's this amazing app. You know, go and download it." Yeah. You know, you're probably going to go do it on the spot. And so we, you know, we, we get a lot of uh, referrals, a huge amount of our business comes through referrals. That's interesting. That kind of gives me the impression that the product and how, pe how much time people spend on the product and how much engaged and how good it is and how easy it is to use would be a core uh, indicator and core, uh, you know, priority for you. Uh, and in terms of marketing, would you like uh, growth hacking? Would you like, say, a hundred thousand parents to download the product on day one, or would you prefer sort of five every day, and that and that kind of doubles and then becomes fifty and becomes a hundred? Do you like to work from a core base, get feedback, and then iterate and improve? Uh, so, wow, loads of loads of questions in there. So, um, growth hacking really important uh, concept in in our business and our and, and industry and part of what we learned in Shira and in MISC and, and how do you, you structure the learning? Because actually it is a learning, right? It's an iterative process. So as I said, we're really data-centric. We're really, really data-centric, customer-centric. We spend a lot of time analyzing the, 
the analytics and seeing where what customers are doing. And we speak directly to customers weekly um, to get feedback as well. If we have a new product um, that we're launching, we do A-B testing. We check, uh, we A-B testing means we have two versions of it and we get feedback uh, from our customers. Um, so it depends on what the product is. Now, to your question about whether I want to have 100,000 users on day one or I want to have uh, five, I think if I'd had 100,000 users on day one that we launched, um, I think probably the system would have gone down, uh, but but it would have been an incredible uh, success. But the way it's worked with us is that we, you know, we've grown very, very rapidly, uh, but in a way that we could actually manage um, because as the number of customers goes up, so does the number of interactions with the customers, uh, the transactions on your platform, um, you know, and you rely on, you know, you, you, you talk about payment gateway, you do rely on third parties for some elements of the customer journey. So they also need to be able to manage it. So I think reality is, is that growing consistently and, and, and well is probably the, the safer way to go. But I would happily tackle a problem of having, you know, too many customers too in many. one day. Interesting. It means your confidence in your products, Mona. I think that's good. It's a good sign. Uh, but the, just touching on that a little bit further, the kind of customer acquisition is quite a competitive space because uh, we're all, you know, as well as the thesis for the kids mobile app is that uh, you're a utility to make life a little bit easier for parents and uh, help them find things in a time precious world as, as well. But equally, uh, their attention is also precious on the acquisition side. Therefore, there's a lot of people trying to reach them, whether it's um, other things, uh, other uh, utility services. Um, do, is that, do you find that challenging that when you're doing, say, performance marketing, lower funnel um, customer acquisition, that you might be competing with uh, a different industry or a different category as well for uh, parents' time? Yeah, I mean that's a, a, a that's that's the reality, and it and it's a good question. Um, we spend a lot of time on uh, retention. Mm. Um, so you know, if you talk about the funnel, you know, you can spend a lot at the top part of the funnel, but if they just churn, then you know, you, well. It's not an ideal scenario. So we work a lot on retention and we have really good retention rates um, because, because once we solve that problem for a parent, they tend to come back. You know, it's maybe, you know, you might not come back every single day, but every time you want to plan something, if you're looking for good um, projects, if you're looking for after-school activities, you know, you will come back because you know that you're going to find what you're looking for on the platform. Yeah. And we also look at, you know, the amount of time people spend on the platform. You asked about the user interface. I mean, that is, fundamental you know if you can't find what you're looking for on the platform you'll be you'll get frustrated so we have a you know we have a user interface that um we get what well, we know works well yeah and, and how do you uh, do you have focus groups with parents to do some of this virtually um how do you kind of uh get get involved in communities like that so we um we we do a lot so face to face obviously for very right by the reasons the last year and a bit we've, we've not done that uh, but uh, we speak to to uh, users. We've tried to do a group um, conversation. It's difficult over Zoom. I mean, the reality is it's difficult. It's very difficult to you know get everyone to give feedback and, and to sequence it. So um, we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one feedback with our customers at the moment. Mm. Interesting. And is there anything that's maybe not surprised you, but impressed you in terms of what uh, you know parents in in the UAE and KSA in this day and age are looking for? Uh, in terms of providing activities for their kids? 
I'm going to just flip the question slightly, but I'll try and come back to it. I think what's amazed me, and it's such a testament to, um, to the UAE and the way that UAE has handled this pandemic, is that post-lockdown, business rebound was phenomenal, mm. uh, which was not something that I could have predicted. And it was a reflection, I think, of how, how confident uh, the, the consumer in the UAE was that the measures that the government had put in place would protect them and their families. I, it, honestly, you know, when, when post-lockdown, I didn't know what to expect. Um, we knew that our, our users had stayed with us throughout the, the pandemic, which was amazing, but we didn't know whether they would feel confident to go out. And we saw an incredible uh, rebound in Q3 and Q4, just incredible. So um, I think that that's um, a testament to the UAE um, um, government. In terms of what people uh, are interested in, it's really, it's really varied. Like, I'd say at the moment, probably there's a bigger interest in outdoor activities, um, just as a general rule. The weather's amazing, um, you know, and I think that obviously there are still relatively high COVID numbers here in the UAE. Uh, people prefer that, but we have a whole mix of, of activities that mm. people are using and, and going to. Um, Saudi uh, was in the lockdown um, until uh, Friday night. Um, so uh, it's a bit too early for me to sort of say what, what they're going to be doing. Yeah, and that, that is a good insight in terms of many of your providers, uh, like all of us, would have been worried sort of March, April, May last year. And then, you know, what do they do with their businesses? But then that they can safely bring people back to physical environments is, it has just been incredible to, to witness. And, uh, you know, even in other markets in Europe and places like that, things are still in lockdown. So that, as you said, it's a real testament. Um, and then, yeah, in, in Saudi Arabia, but, I, you know, I just wonder on, on trends uh, because I'm not a parent and I'm just not in touch with some like, like you in terms of your own children, but also the access you have to information. Because I was just wondering, are, are the requirements for kids the same now as maybe when I was a child? Uh, are we looking for more? Uh, are we look is is esports big? Are we looking for things like that, or do we still want to learn how to swim overarm? <laughs> just yeah. what, what do you? That's that's a really good question. Um, I I think there's a mix of things. Um, there in in Saudi Arabia, um, you know, family is such an important component. Uh, people spend a lot of time together as families. Um, so they look they're very uh, interested in places where maybe you can go and have food and the kids can play. Um, so that's a, that's a very big um, thing that families, we see people doing in Saudi Arabia. Um, there's been a lot of online um, products in Saudi. Uh, schools have been shut until now. Wow. Um, so there's lots of tutoring. Um, there's some online classes uh, that are happening. Um, I think as a parent, though, and, and, and maybe I'm speaking a bit out of turn here, but I, you know, this is what I see, is that our kids have spent so much time online over the last um, year through no fault of, fault of their own that we're really keen to get our kids outdoors mm. and doing activities and therefore you know I I have done online lessons for my uh, for my daughter but I tend to uh, have a strong preference for her to be out running around playing football or swimming or whatever it is yeah um, and I think a lot of parents feel that way yeah I think that's a really interesting insight just in general like a I've heard from a lot of parents of how difficult homeschooling was in terms of um, that social skills that's so part of fundamental of uh, personal development in, in early ages. And, and uh, I, I, that would be related for, for your customers as well. Yeah. I mean, again, I'll speak on the personal level. Homeschooling is a very challenging <laughs> point. 
yeah. I think my daughter, my I was never meant to be a teacher. We, <laughs> I knew that beforehand, but oh, it was challenging. Yeah, amazing. But it's good that there are some digital opportunities, so all wasn't lost. Uh, so what's the what's 2021 looking like for kids, uh, Simona? Um, what's the kind of outlook and, and beyond? Yeah, 2021 is a really focus on um, strengthening our business here in the UAE and uh, really uh, getting a strong foothold in Saudi. Uh, and we're well on the way to doing that. And will you be moving your HQ to to the kingdom to Riyadh in 2024? Uh, I was. We'll see. see <laughs> now and then, and I'll I'll take a call then. Per- but but Saudi yeah. is an amazing is, is amazing as well. I spend a lot of time in Saudi, and it really is amazing. And the first time I went to Saudi was in um, 2018. And between end of 2018 and end of 2019, physically, I could see so many changes. It was it was phenomenal how fast it's changing. Yeah, it's amazing. And a good note to finish on. It's an exciting time. Hopefully, all will be safe and we'll come out of the pandemic. And it's a great region to be in. And in, the, in this digital, physical world that kids is involved in, um, we wish you all the best. Thank you so much for your time. It was lovely chatting to you today. Likewise. Thanks, Simona, and keep in touch. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you once again to Simona Agalini, the co-founder and CEO of Kids. What an interesting story. Uh, going through everything that we know, how hard it is and how impressive it is to produce a quality product in the market like they have done. So well done to the team at Kids. Just a reminder that this show was powered by Zbuni. Once again, a big thank you to them. Uh, who help us bring this episode to you for free. Also, thank you to the show producer, Yana Kalashnikova, and the editor, Ali Baba. Check out our other shows on Smashy TV and subscribe to Smashy to get more business news. See you next time on Dubai Works.